guys, it's Pragya. And Charlotte, and welcome back to Campus HQ. This episode is part three of our series, Eight Voices Season 2, where we help you create the life you want by sharing unique stories of industry leaders and professionals who are fulfilling their most daunting dreams. We're welcoming guest speakers from a wide variety of professional backgrounds to show how you can use college as an opportunity to elevate your personal goals and ultimately achieve success. We'll be running this series all throughout February and March, and we are releasing new episodes twice a week, every Sunday and Wednesday. So follow us on Instagram at campus.hq and whichever podcast platform you're listening on to make sure you don't miss out on all the content. Today, we are so excited to have Grace Miller on our podcast. Grace is a television producer for Blackfin Media. She has worked to produce the murder tapes, Evil Lives Here, Shattered, and Grave Secrets. She is currently working on a three-part documentary series on the YouTuber Onision. Hi, Grace. We're so excited to have you on today. Would you like to briefly introduce yourself to our listeners? Hi, uh, my name is Grace Miller, and I am a television producer. I have been in and out of the business for 20 years, and um, I'm really excited to be here today. We really want to start from the beginning of your experience. So could you briefly talk about your high school and college experience? What did you do um, in those years? And did you always know that you wanted to go into media? Okay, great. So I, uh, during high school, I was uh, working, uh, writing for the school newspaper. And then I became the editor-in-chief of the newspaper. So I suppose uh, early on, I, I had an interest and a passion for journalism. Um, And then I went to college and my college was very small, liberal arts school, and it didn't have like a per se media um, major. So I I majored in English uh, with an emphasis on creative writing. And then when I graduated, the truth is I thought I was going to go to law school. Uh, Both of my parents were lawyers. So I just sort of thought that seemed reasonable. Um, And they said to me, why don't you spend one year doing something completely different, something that you would have really uh, never imagined doing. And then if you still want to go to law school, we will support that decision of yours. So I got an internship at a television station, a tiny little television station. And I uh, worked there. And then I worked my way up to being a reporter uh, at, at this little local television station. And uh, so I did reporting the daily news of this little community. And um, I loved it. I loved it. It was exciting. Every day was something different. Uh, You got to sort of become like a little bit of an expert on uh, all sorts of topics, given whatever day it was. Um, You weren't sitting at a desk all day. You were running all around. Um, And I just, I I really like people and I love stories and everyone has a story. Um, And so I got hooked and I decided not to go to law school and to stay in the television media space. The one thing I did realize was that I didn't want to stay on air and do like, you know, TV reporting. I preferred the behind the scenes, the the writing, the editing, the crafting of it. So I did make that decision and I uh, went more behind the scenes. Ended up getting a job with a with a television show uh, called America's Most Wanted, um, which was a, a popular show at the time. And we would um, profile crime cases where the perpetrator had not yet been apprehended. And we would uh, interview the the 
police and the families that were involved in this. And then oftentimes it would be broadcast and then oftentimes it would be, uh, we would capture the, the perpetrator. So that sort of was how my career started. I stayed there for a while. And then ultimately I ended up moving over to Dateline NBC and worked at Dateline for many years. I think because of my crime past, I ended up getting into this path of covering many of their crime and investigative stories. And so I've sort of been in that space ever since then. That's so cool. Um, I've never seen anyone pursue something like this before. So it's really interesting to hear. And this was one of the more like unconventional paths that I've seen. So did your friends and family support you through everything? And were they fine with you not going to law school? They were 100% fine with me not going to law school. They, they really were. Um, my little sister went to law school. So they, they, they got that. Uh, <laughs> they got their daughter with the law school. Um, it, it's, it's certainly unconventional because, um, you know, it's not like when you kind of go to school, it's like, oh, I think I want to like cover true crime. But I never exactly set out to do just true crime. It's just sort of happened. But I was always supported. Yes, I was always supported uh, by family and friends. And I get a lot of a reaction like, oh, wow, you know, that's that's so interesting. And I will say back 20 years ago, when I was doing this, you know, it wasn't like it is today, where all this streaming services and all this content that is available. uh, So much of it is crime. Back then, it was a little bit of a one off. But but yeah, I never I never felt like I wasn't supported. That's really great. Um, how, like, could you go into your experience, like, into becoming a producer and what that career path was like? So I started out as a production assistant, which means the person who is in the office and just does anything and everything that's that needs to be done. When we would be shooting on set, it was like, you know, printing out the scripts back, you know, when that was happening. And getting, you know, the talent to the set and like, just, you know, it's just sort of entry level, but at the same time, you get to see everything that happens, you know, in this um, process from start to finish. So it was a, a great, incredible learning experience. It was so much better than any graduate school I could have ever gone to because you just learn on, on the scene. And then slowly, you know, I would, when they, oh, we need someone to like write a little, segment here. I Oh, I'll do it. I'll write it. I'll write it. You know, and you just kind of grab every opportunity you could, which is what I did and made connections. So much of this business is based on connections and like, Oh, I worked with this person. They're good. So let's recommend them for this. Um, so I made connections and I just got experience and, uh, I slowly worked my way up from a production assistant to then becoming an associate producer, which is the person who sort of assists the producer. You get to like write a little bit more. Maybe you'll even get to do an interview every now and again. You'll get to pre-interview on the phone, whatever it is. And then ultimately was able to uh, get to the producer position, which I had done for quite a while. And then have just recently uh, sort of gone into the more, um, you know, what we call a showrunner, executive producer position, where you're sort of like, you know, having all those people work with you. And it's a big collaborative effort. So, so it was, it was absolutely just, you know, like slowly building your experience, your resume, your connections to, to get to, to keep getting a little bit higher on the rung. Yeah. And how did you maintain your motivation and perseverance throughout all these stages, especially because, I mean, it takes quite a lot of years and experience to get to where you are today, but what would you recommend to students who are pursuing this journey? I think I would I would say it, it it's not an easy industry 
to, to, to get into and to stay in because, well, I would argue probably there's probably no industry that's easy. You know, everyone, every industry has its own challenges, but you, so you have to be motivated and you have to be excited by what you do. But as I said, you know, I love to tell stories. I love to, I love to hear other people's stories and then I love to tell them. And so I guess I would say, you know, you just have to be passionate and you have to jump at every opportunity that is presented to you. And you you have to just just make the connections and, and get your, your name and your face out there. Something unique about my business, my industry, is it's mostly for the most part now contract-based, freelance-based. So, you know, I mean, I suppose like NBC still has staff people, but but a lot of it now is production companies and then production companies sell the content to the networks. So I will be hired for 10 months or a year to produce a television show. But then when that's done, like my job for that job is done. Like I delivered the series. Then it's up to me to get back to my computer and work on my resume and reach out to all the people that I know in the business. Hey, do you have any projects coming along? So. So it's a it's an additional piece of the puzzle that you have to constantly be looking for your next job, which for some people they love it because it's always going to be different. You're not going to sit at the same job for 15 years. You're not going to be doing the same thing for 15 years. But for other people, it's like, oh my gosh, I got to go out and like pave, pound the pavement again and find the next the next job. So so that you know, I mean, I, sometimes I like it because I get to take like a month off in between shows, you know, and get like reset but um but it's a good and a bad thing what would you recommend to students who want to go into this field and get an internship or a job in it but don't necessarily have any connections yet or experience my advice for this business would be to um to 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 jump at every opportunity to create a reel display your work and i'm imagining at all these universities now they have media departments. And so they, I, I would recommend they jump into that. They take classes, they compile their best of, and they create a reel because really this is an, this is a business where there's no test score. Someone can look at and say, Oh, they're talented or, Oh, they're, you know, there's no, um, report card, you know, grade point average. It's really like, you're as good as this reel of my work. This is how I edit. This is how I write. This is how I do an interview. You know, it's, um, that, that would be my recommendation to just take every opportunity to, uh, get as much material as they can, so they can put a really strong display of work together that they can then, once they graduate, you know, go and try and find a job with, there's also incredible opportunities for internships, to get in front and get foot in the door. I was just speaking to a, a student who is a junior in college and she wants to go into media. And so I was just offering her my advice and I was so it's like fresh on my head right now. Like NBC has a page program. And once you graduate from school, you can apply for it. It is very competitive, but it's it's incredible. You're there for 12 to 14 months and you spend like, X, I don't know how much time, like a month or two in every department. You're at the Today Show, you're at Dateline, you're at NBC Nightly News, you're at, and you just get exposed to everything. And then you decide what you like, you know? Um, and And so that's a great way to get experience. I, I think all these large uh, media companies have internship opportunities. So I would recommend 
if students don't have contacts to just start working on making some contacts. Yeah, and I just out of curiosity, I'd love to hear what a typical day looks like for you. So a typical day for me at this point, it depends on where I am in the stage of production. When I begin a project, it's all research. I got, I, you know, they're say, they say to me, um, you know, you're going to do a series on homicides in Baltimore, Maryland, you know, and you're going to go, I'm just going to dig, dig, dig through police reports, do Google searches, just find like, what are like, it would be like probably six episodes. So what do I have to do? I'm going to find six stories of crime that are really interesting. They're not just, you know, they're, they're, there always has to be like something sort of a twist, a turn, you know, it just has to be uh, a character who's particularly compelling, a, a detective who this is their life work and life's work. And this is why they're so passionate about what they do. You know, there's no, there's no like one answer. It's like, why is this story interesting? Is it the victim who's interesting? Is it the perpetrator? Is it the investigator? Is it the community? Like I need to find some reason why this is a particularly interesting story. So I, so I find, I go and I look at hundreds of crimes and then I'll find the six that are really interesting. Then I have to book it. So I start like compiling information for how do I find these people, you know, and then I reach out to them and then, you know, not everybody wants to go on camera and talk about their darkest moments in their lives. If their loved one was killed or if their loved one committed the crime, you know, so you have to like work these relationships and get them to trust you and get them to understand why you're doing it and, and what the value is in doing it. So then I book it, then I conduct the interviews. So then I go out and I conduct all the interviews and I sit with them and I do these eight and nine hour interviews, uh, long, long, long interviews that I can then go back and then I come back and then I script the whole thing. And I'm saying I do this. I have a team of people who do this, you know, depending on the project, I sometimes I'm doing the interviews, sometimes I'm scripting, you know, it's, it's a team of us in no way is this one person I, I would never want to even imply that it was. And we, we work together and then we script it and we, we, you know, decide this is a really compelling moment. This really works. And then you go into an edit room and you make all the, and then we also shoot all the B-roll and, you know, all the stuff that's going to cover the show. And then you put it all together, the interview, the pictures, the music, the special effects, and then you send it to the network. And then the network gets to send their notes back and say, oh, we like this. We don't really like this. We should, you know, let's pursue this storyline a little more. And television, and this is another thing I love about it, it's an incredibly collaborative effort. Um, it's really... And that's one of my favorite things about it. Like I'm pretty good at some stuff. I'm less good at other stuff. So I know to say like, you know, this person's really good at this. I, what do you think about this? What do you think? You know? And, and so it's, it's a hugely collaborative effort and, and, and that's exciting. So, so every day is different. I guess that's my answer to your question. Every day is different, but, uh, but exciting. And, and uh, depending on where I am, you know, I, I will spend eight weeks eight weeks, just trying to book a story, you know, just trying to find the right people and, and, you know, see if they can, you know, tell their story in a compelling way. And then I'll spend, or we all spend, you know, a lot of time writing it and scripting it and this and that. And then, so, so every day is a little different. Yeah. And I've taken some film classes and classes on documentaries, and I know you're supposed to give real information and portray everything correctly. But you also have to make it interesting and make sure people are watching it. So how do you go about balancing those things? It, it, it's, it's a puzzle. It's a puzzle. 
And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's like a balancing act and you have to be sure that you're telling the story properly, but sometimes, you know, you just can't go so deep in the weeds of it all because you only have this limited real estate on television of like, you know, a traditional episode of television that you see as an hour of television is really 42 minutes because all the commercials have to go into it. So you have 42 minutes to tell what could be an incredibly complicated story. So you, again, you have to always make sure you're remaining true to the story, but then you have to decide what is of most importance to tell and what is able to be, um, if not, you know, explored in it, you know, touched upon, explained, and, and again, stay true to the story, but maybe not go into the minutia that could take you four hours to tell. Yeah. And could you go into what could we expect from watching one of your documentaries? Which one has been your favorite project? And tell us a little bit more about that. You know, oh, there's so many, there's so many stories that, you know, I've done. Um, there was a story that I did that was particularly interesting to me. So, so what you would expect from a story of mine would be um, a crime that happened. Um but then, uh, if I've done it well, you will you will find out that beneath the surface of the story, there was a lot more there. And I think what I love about television, as opposed to pr- just print media, is is in print you're going to get like a headline, you know, woman found dead, you know, and then you're going to get a little bit of a write up, but you're not going to get like in a traditional just news story, you're going to, you're going to get the headlines and you're going to get what happened, you know, all the, all the who, what, where, when, why things, but you're not going to like get the emotion. You're not going to get the, like what motivated this person, you know, uh, in, 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 in as much depth as I am allowed, I'm given the opportunity to do because 42 minutes is a long time. You know, you get to really dig into it. So, so one story that really stood out to me was I did a story about, uh, a young couple, they, they might've been 22, 23 years old. And, you know, when I went to their Instagram page, they looked lovely, like just a traditional, happy young couple. And they uh, got married and I had all the photos of the beautiful wedding and, you know, da, 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 da. Well, six days later, they find her body at the bottom of a cliff and she's dead. So it turns out that her husband of six days, I think it was six days, it was somewhere very shortly after, had pushed her off the cliff. And it was such a sad story. And of course, I spoke to the people closest to her and to find out what a wonderful woman she was. And she was so excited to be married. And they had just been like this very happy couple. And 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 I and I just I just couldn't understand like why would someone do this? Like, why would why would someone do this? And I got to dig deep, deep, deep and talk to her side of the family and his side and do all that to find that this was a kid and he had been raised in this very traditional family where he was told, you know, you, you follow the straight line and you get married and you have children and you do, 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 and this is what you do. And like, he fell into the trap. So he went along with it and he married her. And then he suddenly realized, you know, oh my gosh, this is not what I want. And his only way that he saw out was to push her off a cliff. And, and, and I just was so full of so many questions of like, how did he think that was the best way out? How did he think that was the answer? Like, why wouldn't he just go and say like, you know what, this was a terrible decision. I, I needed to, and, and, and it was like, 
I got to dig into like all the social constraints that sent this message to this person, like this is what you need to do and there's no other path and you must do it. And it was absolutely fascinating to me to be able to talk to all these people and to sort of understand how he ended up where he was and making such terrible, terrible decisions because of the social pressure that was placed on this person. Um, and I really enjoyed digging into that. And I mean, sadly, it was such a tragic ending, but it was a real reminder to me of like, wow, there are people that just feel like there's no way out and they have to do this. And for some crazy reason, he felt this was the answer to his problems. I love that you got to dig deeper and like, that sounds so interesting. Um, I know you're currently working on a documentary series on the YouTuber, YouTuber Onishin. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> and I've been interested in asking you about what the process has been like and what that entails. That is, it, this is a new kind of sort of project for me in that it's a, a multi- um, a multi-part series. It has been different. You know, it's not a traditional murder that I tend to work on. This is more um, allegations of predatory behavior. I have learned a lot about it. I have learned a lot about the YouTube space, uh, about the drama community in the YouTube space, which I was not aware of, and the misinformation that can get out in the YouTube space and how that is simply uh, perpetuated and it just, it just feeds on itself and how it has been a really eye-opening experience as to the misinformation that can just grow upon itself in a community. And I know that that parallels, you know, issues that have been happening on a larger space in our country recently and how something has to change and how unregulated these spaces are both both like if potential potentially predatory behavior is in fact happening on these platforms plus this idea of like misinformation just being out there and 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 people believing it just because someone said it was true when it you know I can tell you anything involving you know our production that hasn't been accurate that's been depicted out there and and then I've learned a lot more about how it's an unregulated space and how sort of these platforms just got so far, they grew so quickly and that how the law hasn't been able to keep up with it and how we are at this crossroads right now and and something needs to be addressed in order to make sure people feel they can use these platforms and yet have some accountability as to their behavior. Have you seen social media changing the landscape of your career, what you're doing, or maybe even specifically like crime? I mean, I've been amazed at how popular crime TV has become. I think what has really changed my, there's such a demand for content right now. There's a lot of jobs out there at this moment because all these streaming platforms are just, they just want content. They just want more and more content. Yeah, and how is your job different from what people conventionally think producers do? 
The word producer is a word that I don't think a lot of people know exactly what it entails. And the thing that's interesting to me is like executive producer in television means something completely different than what executive producer means in like movies and film. Honest to goodness, my title could mean something at one place and could mean something completely different at another place. You know, I, I don't know that they know, like the producers are the ones who are out there doing the interviews. The producers are the ones that, you know, like helping write the scripts. But I would tell you a producer is kind of a jack of all trades. Kind of like does a little bit of everything. Like when I am on a project, I kind of do what I see the whole is. Like, okay, we have this team of people, but it seems like this, this hole isn't completely filled. So I'm going to like sort of focus a little bit more on that. Yeah. And how has your job and the industry changed with COVID? Because I know now you can't go to people's houses or talk to them necessarily in person. And so many things are now online too. So I have to tell you, I have been amazed at what we have done during COVID. I have now done this show that I'm working on for 10 months. I have not been in an office once. I have done all the interviews remotely. The entire project has been done remotely. If you had asked me a year ago, could you do a television show completely remotely? I would have said 100% no. Like, no way. It's impossible. And guess what? You know, where there's a will, there's a way. And we have figured it out. And I've done all the interviews via Zoom. I have worked with my writers via Zoom. The editing, which is where I usually sit in a room with an editor and he takes all the pictures and words and interviews and everything, music, and puts it all together. They now have a system where I just tap my computer into his editing device and I'm watching while he's editing. And I can say like, no, 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 don't do that shot. Do this shot right here, Rem completely remotely, which is mind boggling. I mean, my industry is changed completely during COVID. And I really have to wonder if we're ever going to go back to this traditional New York City office space, you know, commuting an hour and a half each way every day, flying to, now I will say, I don't, I don't think the interviews are as, I, I prefer to do the interviews in person. Yeah, it's incredible how the entire world has shifted so quickly through COVID. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and um, I guess like just what is one thing you want to achieve in the next five years? I, as I have told you, I have done a lot of um, crime. Like for the last several years, mostly crime. I would love to try another television. I think it would be super fun. I always joke with my girls when my crime job is really stressful and something is really stressing me out. I'm always like, I just want to do a cooking show. And what would you say has been the biggest challenge in your career so far? And has it been tough being a woman in this industry? Well, it's funny that was the second part of your question, because my answer is um, I was in this industry beginning when I was fresh out of college, as I told you, and then I, and then I stayed in it for about 10 years. And then I had my oldest daughter, Eve, and I uh, left the business and I, I stayed home as a stay-at-home mom. And I was home for 12 years uh, and I had four daughters. And then I went to re-enter and that was without a doubt one of the hardest things. Not only had I been out for 12 years, um, the industry had completely changed in those 10 years and those 12 years, you know, technology had changed. Things had gone online that I was not as aware of. So that was 
a really uh, difficult to re-enter <laughs> the workspace specific to television because again it had just completely changed it had gone you know all online and and, and the media had changed and the, everything had changed and I would imagine that that is uh, was was you know I don't know that a man would have left the industry for 12 years to stay home with four young children. Women are faced with that choice of staying home with children versus continuing their career at a moment when like they're about to like break through to that next level. You know, you've been in the business for a while, you've been working in it for like eight, 10 years. You're probably ready to make that next leap to like a significant position. And you are faced with this difficult decision. And in television, traditionally, it's, it's, it's traveling to see, to do an interview. It's, it's going on set every day to shoot a, 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 you know, to shoot whatever it is you're shooting, you know? So, so it's, it's a hard, it, it can be a hard job to, to kind of find that balance. Like I'm working part-time, but I'm also a mom, you know, that, that was a hard thing. So I just made the choice of like, I'm just going to be a mom, you know, at home for the moment and then I'll re-enter. And uh, it was difficult, but it, but it, but I did it. Yeah, and now that you're back in the industry, how have you been able to balance your personal life and your work life? I don't know. My kids could probably say more than I can. It, you know, it's 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 not always easy. It's not always easy. It has been very challenging during COVID with four kids home. Well, not, you know, at least three of them home on Wi-Fi, trying to learn remotely and myself trying to like, be tapping into these edit systems that were draining our Wi-Fi. You know, it was just like a comedy of errors. And I found I was really, really bad at shutting down for the day and saying like, okay, like work's done. Now it's dinner and now it's kid time. I found myself constantly like, let me just check this one more email. Let me just check this one more cut. Let me just, and I found myself working till 11 and 12 at night. I, I, I have worked so many, I was, convinced like, Oh, I'll be home. I'll be working remotely. Like I don't have to commute into the city every day. Oh, the hours I'm going to save. I'm going to like be able to work out every day. It, it, that didn't happen. I found myself working longer hours every day just because it's right here and you can do anything. It's not like, Oh, I, I can't watch that cut until I get into the office tomorrow. So I'll just wait. Nope. You know what? You can do it right now. I don't know that I'm the person to be espousing like advice on, on how to find that work life balance. Cause I'm really still working on that as a woman who's running the home alone, running the children's, you know, I'm, I'm a, a single parent. And so it is a lot to juggle. What additional advice would you give to someone who wants to enter the media or entertainment industry, but is scared to do so? The advice that I would give is that you just have to make a commitment that you really want to do it and that you're not gonna let let uh, some rejection uh, beat you down. It's an industry where a lot of people wanna go into it. And so there's a lot of competition and you just have to be willing to sort of take defeat and take the no, like, sorry, we're not gonna give you this internship. Sorry, we're not gonna give you this position. And just say, okay, that's fine. Like, okay, there's there's plenty more out there. We, you know, I'm just gonna muscle through it. So, so just be determined and have grit. Just have grit to just be like, you know what? I'm just gonna keep, pushing and pushing. And, and, and the other thing is like, I, I'm a little conflicted onto like, on like the graduate school piece of this puzzle. You know, I know lots of people go to graduate school for media, for television, for film. And, and I think for some people it is the right decision, but I think for me, it was, that was not like, I didn't, I don't think I would have gotten more out of that than I got out of like 
being an intern at a news station, like just, just learning on, on the, on the job. Uh, this is one of those jobs where you don't, you just need to learn by getting your hands dirty. You just got to be in it and learn and you make a mistake and you're like, you know what? I'm not going to make that mistake next time. Like now I know how to do this. So I wouldn't rush into graduate school for this career. It's not to say that for others, like for some people, it is the right thing to do. And for some positions within this, this career, it is certainly the right thing to do, but it's not for everyone. Well, that's all the questions we have for today. Do you have any last words you would like to say to our listeners? I would just say that I, I highly recommend this career if it's something that they think they want to do because it is exciting. Every day is different. It is not going to be a sitting at your desk all day kind of job. I think the opportunities are, as I told you, just endless right now. And I think they're only going to continue to grow as the Netflix and the HBO and all the streaming services continue to come about. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. And good luck to both of you.